you have your copy of the story, I'm on page 121. If you've got your Bible, I'm in Ruth chapter 1. Okay, if you've got your copy of the story, I'm on page 121. If you've got your Bible, I'm in Ruth chapter 1, and we're going to read from Ruth 1, verse 1, all the way through uh, verse 14. And it says this, it says, In the days when the judges ruled, see, that's your cue, that's where we are, right? Right in that period we talked about last week. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and his two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was El-Emelech. I know you pronounce it Limelech because we're from Texas, but it's El-Emelech. His wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Maclon and Kilion. And they were Ephrathes from Bethlehem of Judea. And they went to Moab and they lived there. Now, uh, El-Amelech, I want to say Elimelech so bad, you know? Okay, there we go. You're from Texas, just do it. Naomi's husband died and she was left with her two sons. Now they married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Maclon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two uh, daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living there in Moab, and she set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then, almost as she gets on the road, she's all packed up. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. So these uh, young women had not produced any children yet. Um, so, so she's saying, listen, go, go get a husband. and Go have children. Don't worry about me. Don't worry about this old woman here. I want you to go have a life. She then kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud. And they said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband, even if I thought there was still hope for me. Even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is better, uh, it, is, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. Uh, at this, they wept aloud. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. All right? In fact, not only did Ruth cling to her, look at this, look at what Scripture says here. It's, Ruth says this to her, it says, Don't urge me to leave or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. And so when the book opens, we, we find Naomi, and uh, her name, by the, by the way, means beautiful, it means beautiful, it means pleasant, and it means sweet. That's probably how she would have described her life at the opening of the book, right? If somebody said, Naomi, how is life? She would have said, it is beautiful, 
right? My life is beautiful, and, 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 and it really was. I mean, she had a great husband. She had two sons. Life was good. She, she was living in her inheritance, right? We talked about this when the Jews took over the promised land. Um, they, that was their inheritance. God gave it to them. And so every family had their own piece of land, their own property. Life was good until that one day when her husband came home and said, Honey, we need to talk. Honey, we need to talk. That's never a good conversation, right? When the husband comes home, you can tell he's stressed. He sits down at the table, maybe for a little while, in complete silence. Finally, the wife comes and sits next to him. What, what is going on? He says, honey, we need to talk. I got laid off today. I got laid off today. There's, there's no work. Honey, even worse, there's, there's no food. In fact, they're projecting the famine is going to be so great that if we stay, we might die. Babe, I, I heard that there is work and there is food in, in the country of Moab. I, I, I think, I, I know, I know, I know, I know this is our inheritance, but I think we need to pack up and go. If we want to survive, I, I think we've got to leave. And, 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 and so they do. They, they pack up everything they, they possess and they move to Moab. And along the way, I've got to think that Ruth is saying to herself, well, well this isn't like plan A for me, Right? I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not pumped about this. This isn't, this, this isn't the way I would have done it, God. But as long as I've got my family, I'm okay. As, as long as they're safe, I'm, I'm okay, right? She moves to Moab, and there after some time, after leaving her home, she loses her husband. Life just goes from bad to worse. It, sometimes it seems that others... Suffer more than their share, doesn't it? Her husband dies. Now she's lost her home. She's lost her husband. But she's still got her boys. And both of her boys marry. And uh, it's got to bring at least a, 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 a glimmer of hope into her life. She's got to be thinking, okay, um, they're going to have children. I'll have grandchildren. It's still going to be okay. Until both of her boys die too. And she is left completely alone, apart from two daughters-in-law, which she cannot provide for on her own or by herself. Tragedy has struck again. Now, she hears that the Lord has halted the famine that was plaguing her hometown. She decides to return, both daughters-in-law and tow, but something along the way, I'm guessing they barely got out of the driveway. She leans over to her daughter-in-law and said, wait a second, this is silly. You guys have shown me such kindness. The fact that you, you packed up the home, you, you loaded the wagon, I mean, you're, you're ready to go with me. Like, I, I, I really appreciate it. But girls, I, I can't have any more kids. This isn't going to work out well for you. need to go back to your house. You need to go get married. You need to raise your own family. Uh, now, Orpah evidently jumps at the chance. <laughs> She's like, all right, you don't have to tell me twice. Well, you did tell me twice, but I'm out of here. Love you. Going back home. But Ruth is different. Ruth clings to her. Ruth, Ruth says to her, no. Where you go, I'm going to go. And where you stay, I'm going to stay. And your people are going to be my people. And your God is going to be my God. And the rest of the story really documents their return back to her hometown, this place called Bethlehem. By the way, remember, every story of Israel is pointing to Jesus. And here we, we hear the, the town mentioned already. 
We're just in chapter 9, and Bethlehem is being mentioned already as we await the one who will return us back to God. And so she's, she's going to return back to, to Bethlehem, and, and there God is going to use Ruth to redeem Naomi's bitter circumstances in life. And he's going to do that through a man named Boaz, who is their family or their kinsman redeemer. Boaz is going to purchase back their land in their name, not in his name, in their name. He's going to marry Ruth, and he is finally going to provide Naomi with a grandson, with a little bundle of blessing that she gets to have and to hold. Now, what question do we ask at this part of the juncture? Come on. What question do we ask at this part? Every week, it's the same question. What does this have to do with us? What does the story of Ruth have to do with us, right? I mean, it just seems like a story of tragic loss and hurt and pain. And and what on earth does it have to do with us? I, I believe the Lord has four lessons he wants to teach us through the book of Ruth this morning. And here's the first. This morning, I want you to know that loss can easily turn you bitter to the most beautiful things in life. Loss can easily turn you bitter to the most beautiful things in life. Naomi's story is definitely one of great loss. You cannot avoid that truth. Naomi's story is a story of uh, of great, great loss. I, I mentioned her name. I meant beautiful. It meant sweet. It meant pleasant. Um, But upon her return to her hometown of Bethlehem, I want you to see um, what she says to the people there. Because it's really interesting. Now, you've got to know when Naomi, when it says she returns to her hometown, this is a big deal. Bethlehem in these days was a small town. And I don't mean Elgin, Texas small. I mean like 200 folks. I'm talking like Copeland small, okay? I mean, it it is a small town, it is. And so when she comes home, it's a big deal. In fact, scriptures say that everybody is kind of stirred and they, they kind of go out to meet her like, could this be? Our, our Naomi has returned home? Yes. And she says to the crowds, look at this, it's on the screen. Don't call me Naomi. She tells them, call me Mara. That word means bitter in Hebrew. Don't call me Naomi. You call me Mara. Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Wow. Wow. This is what I want you to see at this point, right here, in this story, right here. In the midst of all that she's been through, right here, she still has a problem. Naomi's theology is one-sided. Her thoughts about God are totally one-sided. See, right now, all she can see, all she can see is all the hurt and the loss. All she can see is what she believes God has taken away. She gives God all of the blame, but she refuses to give Him any of the credit. Yes, there was a famine. Yes, she lost her home. Yes, she lost her husband. Yes, she lost her two sons. But guess what? The Lord has removed the famine. There is now food back in her hometown. She is returning back home. And the Lord has provided her with a daughter-in-law who at the end of the book 
we find out is better than seven sons. What I'm saying to you is this, ready? We can't be like Naomi. We can't allow the hurt and the loss in our life to make us blind to the beauty that surrounds us, to the blessings that God has provided. And man, it is easy. It is easy to have a one-sided theology when you're hurt, to see all the things that God has taken away and not to remember all the blessings that remain. We've got to guard our hearts. Number two. Book of Ruth teaches us that undeserved kindness is contagious. Undeserved kindness is contagious. Listen, God is kind to the undeserving. And that truth may not be on display more than it is in the book of Ruth. Um, Ruth says this to Naomi in Ruth 2.2, right? It's page 123 of your story. She says, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone uh, in whose eyes I find favor. Um, now, listen, Ruth and Naomi have moved back to Bethlehem, but they, they have nothing. They have nothing. They, they, she can't just reclaim her inheritance. That land has been sold. So they, they literally have nothing. They're just kind of living as, as foreigners and aliens, even though they're in their hometown. Uh, Ruth is in Naomi's hometown. She's, they're, they're both living as foreigners and aliens. So she says, let me, let me just go to the fields and see if I can find favor in the eyes of somebody. And I'm just going to see if I can go behind them and I can glean from their harvest. That word glean is, is an interesting term. And so, so what would happen uh, at harvest time, the, the, uh, the owner... And his harvesters would go through first. The, the, the farmer and his harvesters would go through first. And they would go through collecting all the grain. This is a barley harvest at this time. And uh, they go through and they, they collect all the grain. That, that's the first wave that goes through the farmer and all the harvesters, right? They didn't have equipment. It's all done by hand. So then after they went through, because some things are missed, then um, the, the farmer's servants would go through, usually women, and they would come through behind the harvesters, and they would pick up anything that the first crew missed. Now, after the first two crews, then, then, any widows, any foreigners, any people that didn't have a home, wanderers, could go behind the first two groups, and they could just pick up the little pieces that remained. And Ruth says, listen, Naomi, I'm, I'm going to go to the fields. I'm going to see if I can do that. I'm going to see if I can go behind the first two waves. And I'm just going to pick up any kind of crumb. Maybe, maybe we can get enough to make a loaf. Maybe we could have enough to eat for a day, right? That, that's what's going on in, in the gleaning now. Ruth ends up gleaning in the field of a man named Boaz. And we immediately learn that Boaz is kind of a man of faith. Um, he he kind of goes to the field, and, and it's, it's a good day of work. And so he greets all of his workers. May the Lord bless you, right? I mean, that's a, I want to work for this guy. I mean, you show up to work. He's praying for you. I mean, this is good stuff. Probably knows them all by name. And, uh, and, 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 and Boaz immediately kind of notices Ruth when he shows up. Um, now, now, she's been there all day long. She's working tirelessly. And, and people know, because it's a small town, they know, oh, this is... The Moabite woman, this is the one that, that, that is returned back with Ruth. And she's there and she's just working diligently, trying to get enough for them to have some food for the day. And, and this is what he says to her. It's really amazing. He says, stay here in my fields. 
and just glean here in my fields. Listen, it was dangerous to do what she was doing. Migrant workers, there were people all over the place. I mean, it was so easy for a woman in that day to be overtaken, something bad to happen to her. Uh, but he says, listen, I, I want you to stay in my fields. My people are going to protect you. He says, in fact, if, if you're thirsty, just come, come get some of our water. Later, he's going to invite her over, and he says, hey, I've got some bread. You, you, you look hungry. She, her stomach is probably growling. as she's, she's, she's collecting things she can't eat yet. And he said, like, hey, come have some bread and dip it in some vinegar. And, uh, it, it, of course, the story ends. Boaz is, is going to play the role of the, of the kinsman, redeemer. But on this day, Ruth is going to return back to Naomi with 30 pounds of barley because he's going to tell his workers, um, don't just allow her to glean. Go ahead and drop some of the stalks off just so she can pick them up. Right, But along the way, Ruth asked a really interesting question of Boaz, a question that we should be asking. It's in uh, chapter 2, verse 10. She says, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you would notice me a foreigner? Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you would notice me such a foreigner? And, and, and the... the the answer on the surface maybe seems to be, that well, Boaz is just a really good guy. I mean, he's a good boss. He greets everybody. He prays for people. Like, he probably knows them all by name. Boaz is just a good guy. But with Ruth, he is, he is exceedingly, he's exceptionally kind. And, 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 and he, he's kind to a woman that can do nothing in return for him. She's a foreign. She has nothing to give. She is a widow with nothing to give. She has no money. There is nothing that she... Why would Boaz be so kind to someone that cannot return the favor? I have a theory. Ready? Because that is exactly the kind of kindness that his family, specifically his mother, received. You see... We believe that the mother of Boaz was none other than Rahab, the prostitute. And when the Israelites invaded Jericho, you'll remember that Joshua showed her kindness. Her and her entire family. See, the Israelites showed kindness to a foreigner. Boaz was birthed out of that kind of kindness. We actually believe that Rahab converts to Judaism, if you can imagine this. And, and, and she's birthed out of an act of kindness to a foreigner. And now Boaz is showing kindness to another foreign woman. And the Bible says, friends, this is our story in Jesus. That we are that undeserving person. That we are the ones that have no way to repay God. We have no recompense. We have nothing to offer and nothing to give. And yet we look to the cross and we see the kindness of God on display. We see the mercy of God on display. Paying the price for people that can never pay Him back. God says this is our story. And hear me. Like Boaz, we are called to remember that kindness. We are called to extend that kindness to others, to foreigners, to aliens, to people we're just really mad at and don't want to forgive. Kindness begets kindness. And friends, that kind of kindness, undeserved affection for another, 
is completely contagious. That's what our world should be full of. That's the light that Christians should be bringing. That's the salt of the earth that Jesus speaks of. Third lesson. God redeems. Third lesson. God redeems turning bitterness to blessing. The story of Naomi's life could really be um, put into three phases, each beginning with a B. She's beautiful. She's bitter. She ends. She's blessed. She's blessed with a beautiful grandson. Uh, how? How does that happen? How does someone move through um, that difficulty in life? Maybe you're here and you go, man, I'm in the midst of that difficulty in life. Bitter describes me, pastor. How, how can I move on from my hurt, right? And here's the answer, ready? Redemption. Redemption. She moved on because she was redeemed. You remember the story Naomi says to her, Boaz has shown you great kindness. This is what I want you to do. He's going to be out on the threshing floor. It's actually a pretty public place, threshing all night. Eventually, they're going to get tired. He's going to fall asleep. What I want you to do is I want you to hide yourself. Uh, take a bath, girl. Take a bath. You worked hard. Man, been working hard. Hard worker. Take a bath. Put on some perfume. Hide yourself. And when he falls asleep, I just want you to go lay at his feet. Uncover his feet. And I want you to lay his feet. Uncover his feet. He's probably going to wake up cold. He's going to see you. When he sees you, I just want you to say this to him. Will you cover me? Will you cover me? It seems like a strange plan, right? But Boaz does. Boaz covers Ruth, and thus he covers Naomi. He redeemed them. He, he paid the price that they owed. I mean, he, he bought it in their name. He, he became their protector. No longer were they alone. They were now family. He became their provider. They never had to worry again. Ruth laid at the feet of Boaz in that public place. What she was asking is, will you cover me? Will you protect me? Will you redeem me? God answers that question for us at the cross of Christ. There we see the love of God on full display. And God's answer to our cry, Lord, will you redeem me, is always, yes, my son. Yes, my daughter. I will cover you. Don't, don't forget the word redeem has to do with covering, right? And, and there we see the love of God on display. That's John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. The cross is about love, right? And what does love do? Do you remember? It covers a multitude of sins. That's redemption. That's redemption. That's how God answers our question. God, can you do anything with this broken, battered life? God, can you do anything with my hurt and my pain? Can you do anything with my past mistakes? Lord, can you cover me? And God's answer is yes. My love covers a multitude of sins. It's a big deal.
It's a big deal. What I'm saying to you this morning is this. Ready? You get to choose where you camp. You get to choose where you camp, right? The Israelites on their way out of Egypt, they camped out at Mada. They were so thirsty, they came to water, they drank it, it was bitter. They began to complain against God and against Moses. They actually pitched their tents right there. And they camped out at, at, at a bitter water source called Mada. God's, the, the problem with that story is that God's goal for them was not Mada. God's goal for them was not bitterness. God's goal for them was Elim, right? And it was a place with 70 palm trees and 12 fresh springs. That was God's destination for them. That's where God wants us to camp out too. Not at Mara, not in our bitterness. Loss does not have to be the defining moment of our story. We don't have to camp at Mara. God redeems. He covers even our deepest hurts. He has the power to turn our bitterness into blessing. So the question is just this. Will you let him? Will you let him? Will you let God cover your hurts and your pains, your regrets? Anything that has turned your heart bitter, will you let God cover that with his love and with his grace? He can and he will redeem you. Last thing. I know we're pushing it to get four in. We're usually three-point people around here. Four this week, okay? Jacking with you. Last thing. Just think it's important to say. God's plan is infinitely better than our own. God's plan is infinitely better than our own. Who can weave such a tale where kindness begets kindness and the deepest hurts are healed? Who, 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 can, who can put this story together, right? That God saves a prostitute. We remembered how crazy it was, God's battle plan for his children. And, and he, he says to Joshua, all right, plan A, number one, I want you to go find a prostitute. And he's like, what? He's like, yeah, send two guys over. Get some information. You're going to find it from a prostitute. They've got to be thinking, what are you talking about? Plan two. God is like, all right, then put together a marching band. That's phase two, a marching band. He's like, Lord, we need swords. We don't need a marching band. Just listen to me, God says to Joshua. Plan three, have a marching contest for seven days, and the walls are going to fall. And we thought it was crazy. God, who are you? God, why would you ask us to do things that make no sense at all? And God's like, because they work. Because I'm weaving together a story that you couldn't imagine. And God uses this woman, Rahab, this prostitute, and redeems her. She becomes a part of his nation. And then out of that, brings about Boaz, who's going to redeem Ruth and Naomi. Ultimately, through whom? This little grandson is going to play a huge role, by the way. Obed will be the father of Jesse, who will be the father of King David. That's where we're headed. Here's what the story teaches me. We don't know how, but we do know who. We said again, we, we may not know how, but we do know who. I do not know how all that I have lost in the last two years will be restored. I mean, I, I've, I've been counting, I've been trying to figure it out. God, what, how are you going to work this out? 
what is that, what is that going to look like? Where is that going to come from? Because there is a promise, God. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know where to turn with that, Lord. And, and, and you, can, you can spend your life trying to figure out how, but we need to stop focusing on how, and we need to remember the who. We don't know how, but we do know who holds our future. And He is good. He is our Redeemer. And I trust Him. I trust Him even when I can't see. God's plans are better. And that's what this story teaches me. So how do we, how do we take all this home? We, we always give you some homework. Things to unpack this week. Uh, this week, here, here's what I'm going to ask you to unpack. Number one, I'm just going to ask you to go home and pray this week. Just go home and pray this week. What I pray, Pastor, we'll pray that up there. God, break through the bitterness and help me see the beauty, right? God, I don't want to be Naomi. Just pray that prayer. Lord, I don't want to be Naomi. I don't want to just have a one-sided theology about you. I don't just want to see the negative, the stuff that you've taken away. I want to see all the beauty that is left, the beauty that remains, the beauty that surrounds. I don't want to camp out at Madaga. I want to see the beauty. So first, I challenge you to pray that second. I would challenge you to share with others the kindness that God has shown to you. Share with others the kindness that God has shown to you. And that may just be that. It may just be a simple act of kindness this week. You, you, you see somebody in need and you offer to, to help out. Maybe you pay for some groceries. We've done that kind of here before. Maybe it's just a simple act of kindness. Maybe you stop and you help somebody change a tire on the side of the road. I mean, maybe it's just a simple act of kindness. But maybe it moves beyond a simple act of kindness to something like forgiveness. Jesus says we can't be forgiven if we don't forgive. Ultimately, we have received the greatest act of kindness in the history of mankind. So who are we to hold a grudge? Amen? You know what spiritual breakthrough in your life? Let me help you. Feel like you've been stuck in a rut for a really long time? Ask God if you're holding a grudge against somebody. That's the hidden one that most Christians I know forget about. They forget about it. They're, they're angry. They're holding a grudge. There's bitterness in their heart. And they're wondering, why am I spinning my wheels? Why, why am I wandering? How come God feels so distant from me? And are you reading your Bible? Yeah, I'm trying to read my Bible. Am I praying? Yeah, I'm trying to pray. Holding bitterness in your heart towards somebody. <gasps> Pastor, how dare you say that? Give up that grudge and see what God will do. He'll open the floodgates, okay? Number three. <sighs> Big one. It's kind of the whole point of the story, right? Bow at his feet. This is, this, this is the position of Ruth, right? She's bowed at the feet of Boaz. And what is she asking? Boaz, will you cover me? Boaz, will you redeem me? And some of you here this morning, that's what you need God to do for you. <laughs> you feel like you, you're too far gone. You feel like you've messed up too many times. You feel like there's, there's no way that God could use you. I'm here to tell you, God can use you. God, God, God uses the craziest characters in this story over and over and over. And you guys look like some of them. God will use you, but you need to be redeemed. Would you bow at his feet and say, God, would you cover my sin? God, would you cover my sin? Would you make me new? God will honor that prayer every single time. God, would you cover my hurt? Would you cover my loss? Lastly, I would just challenge you to stop trying to figure out how. Stop it. Wasting your time. Just focus on who. My Redeemer lives 
my Redeemer lives. I don't know how all that I've lost will be restored, but I do know who. And so I choose today to not camp out at Mata any longer, to not focus on how, but instead to see the blessings that I have in Christ and to focus on who. Hope you guys will do the same. Pray with me. Father, thank you for being good. Thank you for loving us. You know, we're running short on time. I just pray in this moment that you would cement in our hearts and our minds exactly what we need to do because of what we have heard. God, if we need to ask you to cover us and to redeem us, Lord, would we, would we quietly do that now? Just, just say, God, cover my sin. God, cover my loss. God, cover my hurt. God, save me. God, you will always honor that prayer. It can be that simple. Would you do that for anyone here that needs that this morning right now? God, would you help somebody that is stuck at Mata, stuck in their bitterness? Would you open their eyes this morning right now to the beauty and the blessing that surrounds them, even in the midst of their hurt and pain? Please. God, for that person that has been trying to figure out how they're going to be restored. They've been focused on how, and that's part of their bitterness problem. Lord, would you shift their gaze from the how up unto you and the who? You are good, and you are Redeemer. That's who you are. So this morning we say thank you for the redemption that comes through your son, Jesus. Thank you for covering our sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.